Chapter One, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Six by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Punishment, Part Two. The notary contrived to read with a rapid voice the other details which referred to loans to workmen whose labor was suspended by fatigue or illness, and his intention to establish a bank for the poor producing twenty-five thousand francs a year for advances on pledges which were never to go beyond ten francs for each pledge without any charges for interest the management and office of the loans in the bank for the poor was to be in the rue du temple at number seventeen in a house bought for the purpose an income of ten thousand francs a year was to be devoted to the cost and management of the bank for the poor whose manager was to be polidori here interrupted the notary and said to the priest you will see sir by the choice of the manager the jock knows how to repair an involuntary error you know that by a mistake which he deeply deplores he had falsely accused his cashier of embezzling a sum which he afterwards found well it is this honest fellow francois germain by name the jock has named as manager of the institution with four thousand francs a year salary is it not admirable monsieur l'abbé nothing now can astonish me or rather nothing ever astonished me so much before the priest replied the fervent piety the virtues of our worthy friend could only have such a result sooner or later to devote his whole fortune to so admirable an institution is most excellent more than a million of francs forty thousand livres monsieur l'abbé said polidori more than a million amassed by order economy and probity and there were so many wretches who accused jacques of avarice by what they said his business brings him in fifty or sixty thousand francs a year and yet he leads a life of privations to that i would reply said the abbe with enthusiasm that during fifteen years he lived like a beggar in order one day to console those in distress most gloriously but be at least proud and joyful at the good you do cried polidori addressing jacques ferrand who gloomy beaten and with his eye fixed seemed absorbed in painful meditation alas said the abbe in a tone of sorrow it is not in this world that one receives the recompense of so many virtues there is a higher ambition jacques said polidori lightly touching the notary's shoulder finish reading your prospectus the notary started passed his hand across his forehead and addressing himself to the priest your pardon monsieur l'abbe said he but i was lost in thought i felt myself involuntarily carried away by the idea of how immensely the funds of this bank for the poor might be augmented if the sums lent out were when repaid allowed to accumulate only for a year at the end of four years the institution would be in a condition to afford loans either wholly gratuitously or upon security to the amount of fifty thousand crowns enormous and i am delighted to find it so continued he as he reflected with concealed rage on the value of the sacrifice he was compelled to make he then added a revenue of ten thousand francs will be secured for the expenses and management of the bank for unemployed workmen whose perpetual director shall be francois germain and the housekeeper the present porter in the place an individual named piplet monsieur l'abbé dumont in whose hands the necessary funds for carrying out the undertaking will be placed will establish a board of superintendents composed of the magistrate of the district and other legal functionaries 
in addition to all such influential personages whose patronage and support may be likely to advance the interest of the poor man's bank for the founder would esteem himself more than paid for the little he has done should his example induce other charitable persons to come forward in aid of his work the opening of the bank will be duly announced by every channel calculated to give publicity in conclusion the founder has only to disclaim any desire to attract notoriety or draw down applause his sole motive being an earnest wish to re-echo the divine precept of love ye one another the notary had now concluded and without making any reply to the congratulations of the abbe he proceeded to furnish him with the cash and notes requisite for the very considerable outlay required in carrying out the institution just described and purchasing the annuity for morel after which he said let me hope monsieur l'abbe that you will not refuse the fresh mission confided to your charity there is indeed a stranger one sir walter murphy who has given me the benefit of his advice in drawing up the plan i have lately read to you who will in some degree relieve you of the entire burden of this affair and this very day he purposes conversing with you on the best means of bringing our schemes to bear as well as to place himself at your disposal whenever he can render you the slightest service to him you may speak freely and without any reserve but to all others i pray of you to preserve the strictest secrecy as regards myself you may rely on me but you are surely ill tell me my excellent friend is it bodily or mental pain that thus blanches your cheek are you ill somewhat indisposed monsieur l'abbe the fatigue of reading that long paper added to the emotions called up by your gratifying praises have combined to overcome me and indeed i have been a great sufferer during the last few days pray excuse me said jacques ferrand as he threw himself back languidly in his chair i do not apprehend any serious consequences from my present weakness but must own i do feel quite exhausted perhaps said the priest kindly your best plan would be to retire to bed and allow your physician to see you i am a physician monsieur l'abbe said polidori the condition of my friend jacques requires the greatest care and i shall immediately do my best to relieve his present symptoms the notary shuddered well well said the curé let us hope that a little rest is all you require to set you to rights i will now take my leave but first let me give you an acknowledgment for the money i have received while the priest was writing the receipt a look wholly impossible to describe passed between jacques ferrand and polidori come come said the priest as he handed the paper he had written to jacques ferrand be of good cheer depend upon it it will be long ere so faithful and devout a servant is suffered to quit a life so usefully and religiously employed i will come again to-morrow and inquire how you are adieu monsieur farewell my good my holy and excellent friend and with these words the priest quitted the apartment leaving jacques ferrand and polidori alone there no sooner was the door closed than a fearful imprecation burst from the lips of jacques ferrand whose rage and despair so long and forcibly repressed now broke forth with redoubled fury breathless and excited he continued with wild and haggard looks to pace to and fro like a furious tiger going the length of his chain and then again retracing his infuriated march while polidori preserving the most imperturbable look and manner gazed on him with insulting calmness damnation exclaimed jacques ferrand at last in a voice of concentrated wrath and violence 
the idea of my fortune being thus swallowed up in founding these humbugging philanthropic institutions and to be obliged to give away my riches in such absurdities as building banks for other people your master must be the fiend himself to torture a man as he's doing me i have no master replied polidori coldly only like yourself i have a judge whose decrees there is no escaping but thus blindly and idiotically to follow the most trifling order of this man continued jacques ferrand with redoubled rage to compel me constrain me to the very actions most galling and hateful to me nay you have your chance between obedience and the scaffold and to think that there should be no way to escape this accursed domination to be obliged to part with such a sum as that i lately handed over to that old proser a million sterling the very extent of all my earthly possessions are now this house and about one hundred thousand francs what more can he want with me oh but you have not done yet the prince has learned through badinot that your man of straw petit jean was only your own assumed title under which you made so many usurious loans to the count de remy whom you so roughly took to task for his forgeries the sums repaid by saint-remy were supplied him by a lady of high rank and you may very probably be called upon to make a second restitution in that case as well as the former however you may escape that in consequence of the fear entertained of wounding the delicacy of the noble lender were the facts brought before the public and fixed chained here as firmly as though bound by an iron cable with such a wretch as you for my jailer why it is the prince's system to punish crime by crime the guilty by the hand of his accomplice so how can you object to me oh rage but unhappily powerless rage for until he sends me his orders to permit you to leave this house i shall follow you like your shadow i like yourself have placed my head in danger of falling on the scaffold and should i fail to perform my prescribed task of jailer there it would quickly fall so that you perceive my integrity as your keeper is necessarily incorruptible and as for our both attempting to free ourselves by flight that is wholly impossible not a step could we take without immediately falling into the hands of those who day and night keep vigilant watch around and at each door of this house death and fury i know it then resign yourself to what is inevitable for if even flight were practicable what would it do for our ultimate safety we should be hunted down by the officers of justice and speedily overtaken with certain death before us while on the contrary by your submitting and my superintending your obedience we are quite sure to keep our heads on our shoulders do not exasperate me by this cool irony or well go on or what oh bless you i am not afraid of you or your anger but i know you too well not to adopt every precaution i am well armed i can tell you and though you may have possessed yourself of the celebrated poison stiletto carried by cecily it would not be worth your while to try its power on me you are aware that i am obliged every two hours to send to him who has the right to demand it a bulletin of your precious help should i not present myself with the required document murder would be suspected and you be taken into custody but i wrong you in supposing you capable of such a crime is it likely that after sacrificing more than a million of money to save your life 
you would place it in danger for the poor satisfaction of avenging yourself on me by taking my life no no you are not quite such a fool as that at any rate oh misery misery endless and inextricable whichever way i turn i see nothing but death or disgrace my curse be on you on all mankind your misanthropy then exceeds your philanthropy for while the former embraces the whole world the latter merely relates to a small part of paris go on go on monster mock as you will would you rather i should overwhelm you with reproaches whose fault is it but yours that we are placed in our present position why would you persist in hanging to that letter of mine relative to the murder i assisted you in which gained you one hundred thousand crowns although you contrived to make it appear the man had fallen by his own hand why i say did you keep that letter of mine suspended around your neck as though it had been a holy relic instead of the confession of a crime why you contemptible being why because having handed over to you fifty thousand francs for your share and assistance in the deed i exacted from you that letter containing an admission of your participation in the affair in order that i might have that security for your playing me fair for with that document in existence to betray me would have been to denounce yourself that letter was the security both for my life and fortune now are you answered as to my reasons for keeping it so carefully about me i see it was skilfully devised on your part for by betraying you i gained nothing but the certainty of perishing with you on the same scaffold and yet your cleverness has ruined us while mine has assured our safety up to the present moment great safety certainly if our present situation is taken into consideration who could foresee the turns things have taken but according to the ordinary course of events our crime would have remained forever under the same veil of concealment my management had thrown over it your management even so why do you not recollect that after we had killed the man you were for merely counterfeiting his writing in order to dispatch a letter as if from himself to his sister stating his intention of committing suicide in consequence of having utterly ruined himself by losses at play you believed it a great stroke of policy not to make any mention in this letter of the money entrusted to your charge this was absurd because the sister being aware of the deposit left in your hands would be sure to claim it it was wiser to take the contrary path and make mention as we did of the money deposited with you so that should any suspicions arise as to the manner in which the murdered man met his death you would be the very last on whom suspicion could fall for how could it be supposed for an instant that you would first kill a man to obtain possession of the treasure placed under your care and then write to inform the sister of the fact of the money having been lodged with you and what was the consequence of this skilful suggestion on my part every one believed the dead man had destroyed himself your high reputation for probity enabled you successfully to deny the circumstance of any such sum of money as that claimed ever having been placed in your hands and the general impression was that the unprincipled brother had first dissipated his sister's fortune and then committed suicide but what does all this matter now since the crime is discovered and who is to be thanked for its discovery is it my fault if my letter had become a sort of two-edged sword why were you so weak so silly as to surrender so formidable a weapon to that infernal cecily 
silence exclaimed jacques ferrand with a fearful expression of countenance name her not with all my heart i don't want to bring on an attack of epilepsy you see plainly enough that as regards the common course of ordinary justice our mutual precautions were quite sufficient to ensure our safety but he who now holds us in his formidable power goes to work differently he believes that cutting off the heads of criminals is not a sufficient reparation for the wrongs they have done with the proofs he has against us he might give you and myself up to the laws of our country but what would be got by that merely a couple of dead bodies to help to enrich the churchyard true true this prince devil or demon whichever he is requires tears groans wringings of the heart ere he is satisfied and yet tis strange he should work so much woe for me who know him not neither have i ever done him the least harm why then is he so bitter against me in the first place because he professes to sympathize with the sufferings of other men whom he calls simply enough his brethren and secondly because he knows those you have injured and he punishes you according to his ideas but what right has he to exercise any such power over me why look you jacques between ourselves it is not worth while to question the right of a man who might legally consign us to a scaffold but what would be the result your two only relations are both dead consequently government would profit by your wealth to the injury of those you have wronged on the other hand by making your fortune the price of your life morel the father of the unhappy girl you dishonoured with his numerous family may be placed beyond the reach of want madame de fermont the sister of the pretended self-murderer renville will get back her one hundred thousand crowns germain falsely accused by you of robbery will be reinstated in life and placed at the head of the bank for distressed workmen which you are compelled to found and endow as an expiation for your many offences against society and candidly looking at the thing in the same point of view as he who now holds us in his clutches it must be owned that though mankind would have gained nothing by your death they will be considerably advantaged by your life and this is it excites my rage that forms my greatest torture the prince knows that as well as you do and what is he going to do with us after all i know not he promised us our lives if we would blindly comply with all his orders but if he should not consider our past offences sufficiently expiated he will find means to make death itself preferable a thousand times to the existence he grants us you don't know him when he believes himself called upon to be stern no executioner can be more inexorable and unpitying to the criminal his hand must deprive of life he must have had some fiend at his elbow to discover what i went into normandy for however he has more than one demon at his command for that cecily whom may the descending lightning strike to the earth again i say silence name her not utter not the word cecily i tell you i wish that every curse may light upon her and have i not good reason for hating one who has placed us in our present situation but for her our heads would be safe on our shoulders and likely to remain so to what has your besotted passion for that creature brought us instead of breaking out into a fresh rage jacques ferrand replied with the most extreme dejection 
do you know the person you are speaking of tell me have you ever seen her never but i am aware she is reported to be very beautiful beautiful exclaimed the notary emphatically then with an expression of bitter despair he added cease to speak of that you know not what i did you would have done if similarly tempted what endanger my life for the love of a woman for such a one as cecily and i tell you candidly i would do the same thing again for the same hopes as then led me on by all the devils in hell cried polidori in utter amazement he is bewitched hearken to me resumed the notary in a low calm tone occasionally rendered more energetic by the bursts of uncontrollable despair which possessed his mind listen you know how much i love gold as well as all i have ventured to acquire it to count over in my thoughts the sums i possessed to see them doubled by my avarice to know myself master of immense wealth was at once my joy my happiness to possess not for the sake of expending or enjoying but to hoard to gloat over was my life my delight a month ago had i been told to choose between my fortune and my head i should certainly have sacrificed the latter to save the former but what would be the use of possessing all this wealth if you must die the ecstasy of dying in the consciousness of its possession to enjoy till the last moment the dear delightful feeling of being the owner of those riches for which you have braved everything privations disgrace infamy the scaffold itself to be able to say even as you lay your head on the fatal block those vast treasures are mine oh death is far sweeter than to endure the living agonies i suffer at seeing the riches accumulated with so much pain difficulties and dangers torn from me dreadful dreadful tis not dying daily but each minute in the day and this dreadful state of misery may be protracted for years oh how greatly should i prefer being struck down by that sudden and rapid death that carries you off ere one fragment of your beloved riches is taken from you for still with your dying breath you might sigh forth those treasures are mine all all mine none but me can or dare approach them polidori gazed on his accomplice with profound astonishment i do not understand you said he at last if such be the case why have you obeyed the commands of him whose denunciation of you would bring you to a scaffold why if life be so horrible to you have you chosen to accept it at his hands and pay the heavy price you are doing for it because answered the notary in a voice that sunk so low as to be scarcely audible because death brings forgetfulness annihilation and then too cecily what said polidori do you still hope no said the notary i possess what the fond impassioned remembrance of her but what folly is this when you are sure never to see her more and when she has brought you to a scaffold that matters not i love her even more ardently more frantically than ever exclaimed jacques ferrand amid a torrent of sighs and sobs that contrasted strongly with the previous gloomy dejection of his last remark yes continued he with fearful wildness i love her too well to be willing to die 
while i can feast my senses upon the recollection only of that night that memorable night in which i saw her so lovely so loving so fascinating never is her image as i then beheld her absent from my brain waking or sleeping she is ever before me decked in all the intoxicating beauty that was displayed to my impassioned gaze still do her large lustrous eyes seem to dart forth their fiery glances and i almost fancy i can feel her warm breath on my cheek while her clear melodious voice seems ringing its full sounds into my ear with promises of bliss alas never to be mine yet though to live thus is torturing horrible yet would i prefer it to the apathy the still nothingness of the grave no 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 let me live poor wretched despised a branded galley-slave if you will but give me yet the means of doting in secret on the recollection of this wonderful being whether she be fiend or angel yet does she engross my every thought jacques said polidori in a voice and manner contrasting strongly with his habitual tone of cool provoking sarcasm i have witnessed almost every description of bodily and mental suffering but certainly nothing that equalled what you endure he who holds us in his power could not have devised more cruel torture than that you are compelled to endure you are condemned to live to await death through a vista of long wasting torments for your description of your feelings fully explains to me the many alarming symptoms i have observed in you from day to day and of which i have hitherto vainly sought to find the cause but the symptoms you speak of as alarming are nothing but exhaustion a sort of reaction of the bodily and mental powers do you not think so tell me i am not surely in any danger of dying there is no immediate danger but your situation is precarious and there are some thoughts you must cease to dwell on nay banish from your memory or your danger is imminent i will do whatever you bid me so that my life be preserved for i will not die oh let priests talk of sufferings of the damned but what are their tortures compared to mine tormented alike by passion and avarice i have two open wounds rankling in my heart each occasioning mortal agony the loss of my fortune is dreadful but the fear of death is even still more so i have desired to live and though my existence may probably be but one protracted scene of endless wretchedness it is preferable to death and annihilation for it would be the termination of my fatal happiness the power of recalling each word and look of cecily you have at least one vast consolation said polidori resuming his accustomed sang-froid in the recollection of the good actions by which you have sought to expiate your crimes rail on mock my misery turn me on the hot coals on which my ill fortune has placed me but you well know mean and contemptible being that you are how i hate how i loathe all mankind and that these forced expiations to which i am condemned only serve to increase my detestation of those who compel me to make them and those who profit by them by all that is sacred it passes human malice to condemn me to live in endless misery such as would dismay the stoutest nature while my fellow-creatures as they are called have all their griefs assuaged at the cost of my dearly prized treasures oh that priest who but now quitted us 
loading me with blessings while my heart seemed like one vast ocean of fiery gall and bitterness against himself and all mankind oh how i longed to plunge a dagger in his breast tis too much too much for endurance cried he pressing his clenched hands to his forehead my brain burns my ideas become confused i shall not be able much longer to resist these violent attacks of impotent futile rage these unending tortures and all through you cecily fatal adored cecily will you ever know all the agonies i have borne on your account and will you still haunt me with that mocking smile cecily cecily back to the fiends from whom you sprung and drive me not to destruction all at once a hasty knock was heard at the door of the apartment polidori immediately opened it and perceived the principal clerk in the notary's office who pale and much agitated exclaimed i must speak with m ferrand directly hush answered polidori in a low tone as he came forth from the room and shut the door after him he is very ill just now and cannot be disturbed on any account then do you sir who are m ferrand's best and most intimate friend step forward to help and assist him but come quickly for there is not an instant to be lost what has happened by m ferrand's orders i went to-day to the house of the countess macgregor to say that he was unable to wait on her to-day according to her request this lady who seems quite out of danger at present sent for me to her chamber when i went in she exclaimed in an angry threatening manner go back to m ferrand and say to him that if he is not here in half an hour or at least before the close of the day he shall be arrested for felony the child he passed off as dead is still living i know into whose hands he gave her up and i also know where she is at this present minute this lady must be out of her senses cried polidori shrugging up his shoulders poor thing i should have thought so myself but for the confident manner in which the countess spoke i have no doubt but that her illness has affected her head and persons labouring under any delusion are always impressed with the most perfect conviction of the truth of their fancies i ought also to state that just as i was leaving the room one of the countess's female attendants entered all in a hurry and said his highness will be here in an hour's time you are sure you heard those words asked polidori quite quite sure sir and i remember it the more because i immediately began wondering in my own mind what highness she could mean it is quite clear said polidori mentally she expects the prince but how comes that about what strange course of events can have induced him to visit one he ought never again to meet i know not why but i greatly mistrust this renewal of intimacy our position bad as it is may even be rendered still worse by it then addressing himself to the clerk he added depend upon it there is nothing of any consequence in the message you have brought tis merely the effects of a wandering imagination on the part of the countess but to prevent your feeling any uneasiness i promise to acquaint m ferrand with it directly he is well enough to converse upon any matter of business we shall now conduct the reader to the house of the countess sarah macgregor end of chapter one part two read by celine major